Do you ever ask yourself, how do I move the heart of God? Can I move the heart of God? <laughs> we had so much fun in this episode. God first moved my heart and I asked my husband as an impromptu guest to help me learn. And then in turn, I share with you some of the spiritual principles that will forever change the way we pray. Yep, we're husband and wife for almost 38 years and he a master technician for over 50. I think he's an expert on how tools work. This is our very first time in the Intentional Now recording studio, my office. If that doesn't give us some qualifications for talking about prayer, I don't know what will. Your heart will be lifted and encouraged and you will walk away with a new tool in your tool belt. One that will connect you confidently moving the windows of heaven in your life. Stay tuned for a little calibration. Hello from the Pacific Northwest. This is Kristen from KristenWombach.com and you're listening to Intentional Now Podcast. Answer me this. How does a Baptist farm girl from Oregon stumble upon the mystical nature of Christ, the love of God? If you're like me, Jesus has redefined what you used to say yes to. Join me and my guest on a mystical journey. But before we talk about the spiritual woo-woo, you need to know I am totally sold out to Jesus. It's amazing what the love of God reveals. Good evening, everybody. I have a surprise for you. I have never had anybody sitting on the same side of the microphone as myself. I have an impromptu guest I'd like to introduce. And that is my husband, Don Wombeck. Woohoo! Say hello, honey. Hello, honey. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Heaven help us, right? So we've been married 37 years. And Don, would you tell a little something about yourself to our listeners? I grew up in suburb of Chicago, joined the Marine Corps, ended up in San Diego, and I was Little blonde cheerleader moved in next to me. Oh, really? And what was her name? Kristen Richards. Yeah, I wasn't a Wombat yet, was I? No. Oh. That took me a little more time. Oh, did it? Okay. So would you um, tell our listeners, how many years have you been working on cars? And then how many masteries of technicians do you hold? Oh, I've been working on cars since I was 14. That's over 50 years. Um, and as far as master technician, I was an Alfa Romeo, Subaru, Jaguar, Toyota master. And I left Rolls-Royce to seek better paid to go back to work on Subarus. Ah, okay. So you've been doing it forever. 
Exactly. <laughs> and what was the very first car that you, you, you worked on for yourself? My very first car was a 1963 Pontiac Safari station wagon that the transmission was blown up. And I got the car for free, but I had to pay the guy 50 bucks for the transmission he bought out of the junkyard. And I ended up taking the transmission out of the car that was behind my dad's garage in the yard, covered in a tarp in the middle of January in Chicago. Oh, jeez. And the only heat source I had was a Navy drop light of my dad's. <laughs> Did you get it running? I drove it for two years. <laughs> oh, he has so many stories from growing up in the Chicago area. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. So why did I invite my husband? Well, I can just blame Holy Spirit here because Holy Spirit gave me the idea. So in inviting Don to help me serve you. But before we get to that particular part, I have a little bit of a story to tell you. And then we're going to extract Don's exper expertise for us today. So... Are you ready, dear? Yes, I'm ready. Because <laughs> he doesn't know the story easy either. <laughs> Listeners, are you ready? So last week, I left you with this statement. I don't think we have to move the heart of God. I know that we already do. And then I have a quote here from A.W. Tozer that says, Always everywhere God is present and always he seeks to discover himself to each one. So today we are going to discover him in us. So I have another question for you. Have you ever heard this statement? How to move the heart of God? Have you heard that? No. You've never heard that? No. How to Move the Heart of God? Oh, okay. So I Googled that, and in within 54 seconds, I had 300 million results. Isn't that amazing? How to Move the Heart of God. Well, here are some of the titles that Google brought up in that particular search. How to Pray and Move the Heart of God. Moving the Heart of God. Prayers that move God. How do you touch the heart of God? How do you get the heart of God? Does prayer change the heart of God? How do I bring my heart closer to God? Six ways to reach the heart of God. Can man move God's heart? Prayer is a tool. It moves the heart of God. Let my heart be moved by the things that move yours. Ninety prayers that touch the heart of God. Touching the heart of God through giving. A heart that pleases God. How does prayer move God? Touching God's heart. Faith that moves God's heart. How to move God's heart. Let me see if I can say this. You matter enough to move God's heart. And does prayer change God's mind? Now, does any of that ring a bell? No. No? Okay. So we're familiar with many stories where prayer has altered a situation in Scripture. 
Prayer has defended the defenseless, rescued the hurting, and delivered the barren. Amen? So today we're talking about that word prayer, and we're going to shake it a bit. We're going to shake it so that it reveals truths that are meant to descend upon us in this particular age. And we're going to see if that word move is pushing the right direction and altering the concerns that we carry in our heart. That sounds really good, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. So today I'm going to ask some questions about our conversation with God. Let's imagine the direction of the conversation. Do we feel like God is listening? Don, when you pray, do you ever, do you feel like God is listening? Always. 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 You always feel always. That's good. And in our thinking and our mindset about the words, how to move the heart of God, are they serving us in this particular season? What do we mean by using the word serving? So let me tell you a little bit of a story. But I want to take just a moment to highlight a few resources. So in the show notes, are highlighted below. The show notes, they have everything. Every link that I'm going to talk about today, the show notes will take you directly there. So I wanted to highlight the unfinished book. It's my journey into heaven. And it's just the most beautiful experience that we can have about the mysterious. It's the fundamental emotion which stands at the cradle of true art and true science. And guess who said that? Albert Einstein. Yay. I love that. And so that's a resource for you. A couple things I always say. I guarantee one well-used daily journal can change your life. I learned how to hear from God by writing and journaling. And the fruit of that writing is the unfinished book. And it's this podcast. So I've shared before in other episodes, episode 33, Hope Opens Possibilities Effortlessly, and number 74, Hope Life Story. I have shared with you what I call my spiritual motto, the story behind it all. I call it my hundred diamond story. So Jesus gave me this agreement. If I encounter in the spirit, then he will teach me how to manifest it here. Period. End of story. Spiritual gift. He will teach me how to manifest it here, the purposes and principles behind it. So it is a truth that has sustained me and fed my passion. It's a truth that has all my brother and sisters, my family, my husband, my marriage, (laughs) with the Lord's name on it. It's just so important to me when the Lord speaks to me, when I take my concerns and victories to him. So resources are important for all of us. So my questions of truth hold a world of people inside. My story, my honey story. I have a very dear friend in England who is my editor. Laura, you know her well, don't you, dear? Yes, I do. (laughs) So every Tuesday, we have a standing scheduled Zoom to meet every Tuesday morning. So this past Tuesday during an ascension, Jesus and I were walking on the pathway of life. And it's 
just outside of my garden. So that would be the garden of my heart. So if you looked on the inside of me, the inside of you, it's where you meet with Jesus in your intimate place. And so it looks just like this gravel road. I walk down with him and we venture to all those different places in heaven. So a couple days earlier, he had shown me that there was a well sitting just up on the hill from in this lovely meadow. And the terrain of the pathway of life is always changing for me. It, it's always moving, changing, depending on the story that Jesus is sharing with me. And that's where his story and that's where scripture comes alive in my encounters and heavenly experiences. So this well, the same oneness well is what I call it, meaning it belongs to all of us. It's the well of John 4, the Samaritan woman, the well where Jesus met her. It's one of my favorite. I call it a well of inheritance. It's a well of covenant and marriage. The sun was shining. The weather was comfortably warm. And we're walking down this path and Jesus grabs my hand and all of a sudden we flew through the well, came out the other side, and we were many yards down the path. Huh, I said, okay, ah, it's a portal. The well is a portal. Okay, got it. And the portal took me on a quantum leap. Ah, that was fun because I was farther down the path. Okay, Jesus, more questions. So Jesus shows me how to use this portal. Show me the purposes, the, the, the principles, the understandings. And then we're back walking on the road. And of course, I have a bazillion questions in my head. So what did I do? I grabbed Jesus's hand. Jesus, show me how to use this portal the purposes, the principles, the understandings. And then we were back walking on the road. And you know me, I have a bazillion questions in my head. And then my spirit grabbed his hand and I pulled Jesus my way. Next, <laughs> I was telling him to wait out here while I went into this black storage room. It, literally, I left Jesus standing like, just a minute, hello, I'll be right back. And my spirit walked into this black box. There was no light. And I began to look for something. Well, I found it, but there wasn't any light at all. I didn't really know what I was looking for. But when I held it in my hands, I recognized that it was a tool. I didn't have the name of the tool. I just knew that I'd seen it before. I carried it out of this particular resource room and I showed it to Jesus. And I asking this, is this for you or is this for me? <laughs> well, he just looked at me with a know-it-all grin on his face with his eyebrows lifted. Uh, okay, it's for me. Got it. So in all my years of stepping into heaven, I have never resourced my own spiritual tool or gift. That's the first. Note to self. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Yeah. So after a little Google research, I located the tool that was my spiritual metaphor that he was going to teach me about. And the tool was called a slide caliber. 
My f- a caliper? Yes. A caliper, yeah. So my friend and I discussed our ascension, and then we blessed each other's day. Well, now a slide caliper. What's that all about? So opening up Google, these are some of the resources and the things I began to find out. It's a physics mathematical tool. Oh my goodness, that's way over my head. This is what I found out. It's a GPM sliding caliper with a vernier scale, and it's based on the measurement system invented in 1631 by French mathematician Pierre Werner. The main advantage of this instrument is the ability to gain precise measurements of both the internal and the external diameters of an object. The Werner scale allows for a reading accuracy of 0.1 millimeters by indicating exactly where a measurement lies in between two marks on the main scale. It can be used in science labs, medical purposes. The medical and surgery industry depends on this device extensively because the dimensions of the instruments have been measured in order to be ideal for surgery. It can be used in the steel industry, aerospace industries, um, aviation. It works on pure precision. A small difference in change in the dimensions of an object can be catastrophic. So it also can be used in the educational sector in schools and engineering in institutions. Okay. Um, I still don't understand. So I asked the Lord if this spiritual tool could measure the quantum leap that we just experienced? I thought that was a good question. (laughs) So my head was flooded with technicalities and the weightiness of this modern physics. 1631, that's not too modern, is it? But it was way over my head. So I'm sharing some noted technology from Science Daily because I'm sharing with you because I am trying to learn here. So quantum jumps are usually regarded to be instantaneous. However, new measurement methods are so precise that it has now become possible to observe such a process to measure its duration precisely. For example, the famous photoelectric effect first described by Albert Einstein. It was one of the crucial experiments in quantum physics. When light falls on certain materials, electrons are released from the surface. Albert Einstein was the first to explain the phenomenon in 1905 when he spoke at Light Quanta, the smallest units of light that we call photons today. Imagine this, a tiny fraction of a second. An electron of a material absorbs a photon. It jumps into another state and leaves the surface. That's kind of like Jesus and I going through the well and ending up down the pathway of life farther or down the timeline, right? So this photoelectric effect is so fast that until now it was mostly been regarded as instantaneous as a sudden change of state from one moment to the next. However, new measurement methods are so precise that it's now become possible to observe such a process and to measure its duration precisely. 
Okay, well, that's good information, Kristen. Still feel like I'm swimming in the sea over my head. So, hello, honey. I asked my husband here this evening because I knew that this was a tool, obviously. And of course, I said, Don, do you know what this is? Do you know what this tool is? Yes. Yeah, it's a slide caliper. And, and he goes, yeah. And of course, he says he had three in his toolbox. Oh, it was like no big deal. So now you know why I asked my husband, this expert, to share with us today. I'm, I'm such a visual and kinetic learner, and I learn when it touches a matter. So I have matters or concerns or questions and when I have a tool, it's going like, how does this tool work towards this? So that's why I asked Don here, Holy Spirit said, go ask your husband. He can teach us. So Jesus is teaching us here. So believe me, I have a point to make on our story that's going to knock you off your socks. And remember our thought, I don't think we have to move the heart of God. I know we already do. So we are looking how to pray. So Don, would you share with us, your wife, <laughs> in layman's terms, how you have used a slide caliper? Well, first and foremost is valve adjustments on overhead cam engines. The camshaft have lobes to open the valves and they need a certain clearance to allow oil to lubricate and also for the camshaft to move freely. Now, if the valve is too tight, it's gonna hold the valve open and you're gonna get a miss and you're gonna get a backfire. And if it's too loose, you're gonna hear a noise that you're not gonna like. So to set up an overhead cam, we use shims and those shims are different size. They're selective. They're thousands difference on each one. There could be a hundred of them. You have to measure the gap, take a shim that fills that gap, yet leaves the clearance that is called for by the manufacturer. So with the veneer caliper, I make sure that the shim that I put in is the right thickness. Once I do that, you put the camshaft back in, and it should be perfect. Okay. So I have another question. You kind of touched on it. So what would be the results of having the precise measurements and what would be the results if the measurements were off? Well, tight valves, like I said, would leave the valve open and then you wouldn't have the compression you'd have and you'd have a poor running engine. You could actually have an engine that would turn off completely if it got too hot or it warmed up. Once it's warmed up, the engine's turned off, and I've had that problem. I've had an engine that somebody else built, and all the valves were tight, and nobody could fix this car because once it warmed up, it just shut off. Well, huh. I found out that every valve was tight in it. I adjusted the valves. The guy was thrilled. Huh. So do you um, use a slide caliper in other areas of the car? Well, sure, brakes. Oh. Brake rotors. When you do a brake job, the pads wear. To stop a car, the pads clamp onto a steel rotor, like a like a an album, like a record, but it's thicker. 
once those things wear out, they need to be replaced. And to know whether it's worn out, there's a veneer caliper that has points on it, so you can measure the rotor. Once you know what the rotor, how worn it is, you can either replace it or say, yeah, it's fine. Hmm. Okay. Cool. And are there other places that you use a slide caliper? Um, you ever used it in woodworking? Well, yeah, when you're fitting things together. Anything, anything you're going to put together something. Uh-huh. You're going to need to know how thick and thin is, how big a hole is, how big the, the plug is, how big whatever you're do, putting together. Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you, honey. He actually went out to his toolbox, and I have a slide caliper right here in my hot little hands. That was in, is in inches. My other one's in metric, uh, and that's in millimeter. And this is, and the other one that's in the toolbox is a digital one. It's this digital. Is, this one is analog. Right. This has a dial on it. Uh, when you close it, you zero it. Uh, then, then you can measure. Okay. All right. So I'm still continuing to listen to the Lord. What was the purposes that he gave me um, a slide caliper? So now we're learning how to reiterate a, a position in prayer. And, you know, what is God's perspective when we pray? Now, I grabbed some scriptures here to highlight where I... I see God's position when I pray or when I ascend. In Ephesians 2, in him, every one of us are like living Lego blocks. We are fitted together in the same fabric, giving ever-increasing articulation to a global mobile sanctuary entwined with the Lord. In him, you and I are co-constructed together as God's permanent and spiritual residence. You are God's address. In Ephesians 4.23, thus you are habitually renewed in the innermost of your mind. This will cause you to be completely reprogrammed in the way you think about yourself. Ponder the truth about you as it is displayed in Christ. Begin with the fact of your co-seatedness. You can never be more co-raised or co-elevated or co-seated than you are right now. And yes, I'm going to say that again. So that goes across the board in all oneness because of Jesus' sacrifice. You can never be more co-raised, co-elevated, or co-seated than you are right now. You can only grow in your awareness of your redeemed oneness. That's Ephesians 4 from the mirror. Isn't that awesome? I love that scripture. Now, Philippians 1.11, you have been fully furnished with the harvest of your redeemed innocence and righteousness for which Jesus Christ labored. This is what the glorious intent of God is all about. Celebrate him. It's fully furnished. Philippians 4.8, now let this be your conclusive reasoning. Consider that which is true about everyone as evidence in Christ. 
live overwhelmed by God's opinion of you. Acquaint yourself with the revelation of righteousness. Realize God's likeness in you. Make your business to declare mankind's redeemed innocence. Think friendship. Discover how famous everyone is in the light of the gospel. Mankind is in God's limelight. Ponder how elevated you are in Christ. Study stories that celebrate life. Engage your thoughts with throne room realities where we are co-seated together with Christ. That's you and me, co-seated. In Colossians 1.10, the knowledge of God is not our perception of him, but his knowledge of us to know even as he has always been known. You are empowered in the dynamic of God's strength. His mind is made up about you. He enables you and he enables me to be strong in endurance and steadfastness with joy. We are grateful to God who qualified us to participate in the complete portion of inheritance of his saints in light. So, dear family, we are getting close. So this is what I hear by those scriptures that when we pray, God, God's in us. He, he's, he's in us. So his voice is coming through us in, from our seated, our heavenly position. In my story here, I have dear, dear friends who need healing and the restoration of wellness. I have a few friends. I'm sure many of us could raise our hands and say, God, I need a touch from you. And this is a life matter. And that is why we are asking so many questions to know the life of God that lives in us. So spiritual tools are for earthly matters. Amen? Amen. Yeah. So this morning, I'm still walking through and allowing Holy Spirit to teach me to make it practical what this spiritual slide caliper, what does that mean to me? What does that mean to you? What does that mean to us? So this morning, I had an encounter and I found myself working like an electrician or a carpenter. And I was working on the windows of heaven that were hovering over the home of these very dear friends that I just mentioned. I was there and I was, I was dressed and I had my tool belt on and I was connecting and linking and soldering and checking the flow of light, checking the flow of the love through the windows of heaven over their life. So in the show notes, I have left a few of my drawings of the windows of heaven. And I'm going to make a note here on community and friendship. God's first love is relationship and us in it. Gathering with like-minded believers is the same as sitting at the headwaters of a river. It magnifies the source. I love it and I'm so blessed to have a community to gather around. So then, 
In my encounter, I found a simple little two-minute YouTube video to try to help me understand. And yes, I shared the video. And I watched this man use a slide caliper and he was in his carpenter shop. It was two minutes, so easy. And he created a couple of dovetail pieces of wood, like a jigsaw puzzle. So the carpenter measured with his slide rule the male part of the dovetail, like the jigsaw puzzle pieces. And he marked it and then he took the little screws and he tightened it down on the slide rule. And then he went over and he showed us, he showed us the female part of the dovetail. And he showed that that measurement that he just had precisely measured, it was the exact measurement and it fit precisely together. And I went, oh, that's what it does. And then I read this in researching my resources. So the slide caliper are calibrated by measuring a reference standard, like a gauge block. And its traceability, an essential part of the calibration process, allows the reference standard used to calibrate a precision measuring tool to be traced directly back to the definition of the length. So when we intercede, as in an ascended prayer, meaning seated in heavenly places, God on the inside of us moves us. God on the inside of us moves us. He moves us. We become the reference of the standard. We are the light that calibrates a precision measuring tool to be traced directly back to the divine definition of our blueprint in him. And that was what I was doing, my dear friends, on the window of heaven when I was marking and checking and soldering every detail with precision. And that precision, which is Jesus Christ in you and Jesus Christ in me that traces the light directly back to the blueprint. So we are a, div a divine mirrored reflection of him. Isn't that the coolest? It's just so awesome. Did you have anything you wanted to pile on top of that? Yeah. Oh, I just went, that's what the slide caliper was doing it traces back to the original reference to the standard of jesus because it's in us he moves us he moves us to move on behalf of others and our own families and our life it's just amazing so we are a divine mirrored reflection of him. Truth changes facts. Woohoo! Isn't that awesome? That is so wonderful. And I'm so excited to be able to share this with you. So what I would like to do, I would like to pray with you. My husband and I, we're going to pray with you. We're going to hold this little slide 
caliper right here as a prophetic act that when we pray for you in our oneness. Okay? Fine. So, Father God, there it is. This is this is what you have been showing me, showing us. And in our oneness, it's like you're putting all the parts and pieces together for this week, for what we've been searching for, what we've been asking questions for, to know you and your goodness. And you have moved us. We are the moving part of the prayer because you're in us. We're the moving part of the prayer. And when we move as the part of the prayer, then there is a precision measurement that's traced directly back to the divine definition of our blueprint in him. So when we pray for our loved ones, when we pray for our friends, when we pray for the nations, we are the slide caliber. And from that, it can trace directly back to the source, to that divine source. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, now that as we take this tool and that you right now are touching and loving on and healing and you're just like I did on the windows of heaven. I'm, I'm clipping and touching and, and soldering and just making sure that the flow, that the light of your love is touching people's lives. And Holy Spirit, I just thank you that right now you're just touching people's lives. You're touching my life. You're touching my husband's life. You're touching my family's life. You're touching the lives of the families of those that are listening. And in our oneness, the tool doesn't belong to me. It belongs to us. You have calibrated and precisely measured and we are traced back directly to you. And I give you praise, God. And I thank you. That was so amazing. That was so amazing. So different for us to be sitting here together. And that's different, huh? Yes, it is. <laughs> it's different. You had something. I, I cut it off a little bit too quickly. Don, you had something you wanted to well, say. Well, every time you use a, a caliper like this, you, you zero it to make sure you're starting from zero. You recalibrate it. So when you wake up in the morning, the Lord has zeroed you. You are recalibrated. And you can... Do the rest of your day, every day, zeroed. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yay. So thank you, dear. We are, are zeroed every day, recalibrated, and, and we just start from a place mm -hmm. of, of wholeness every single day. Oh, that is so good. So I'll just remind you that to click the show notes below. Wasn't that awesome? And, and let me get back to the original statement. I don't think we have to move the heart of God. I know we already do. And who's doing the moving? We are. We are moving. He moves us. Him and us, he moves us. Isn't that wonderful? So just to give you a little drum roll, this is going to be so much fun for next week. 
learning and writing your prayers or learning to ascend and write, listen and journal. Yep, that is just my key, key, key. And I'm also going to make you a template. It will be fun. You'll love it. So make sure you make a little notation on your um, calendar and get ready for next week. Anything else there? Thank you for coming in and saving my bacon. Someone told me you, you pay good money to speak into this can. <laughs> you got to tell them where that comes from. The movie. Old brother, where I thought. Yeah, it does. When he went to the recording studio. Someone right? said, some, someone told us you paid good money to sing in this game. <laughs> that is funny. All right, listeners, this was fun. Something different, wasn't it? Thanks, honey. You're welcome. Yeah. All right. I will talk to you again next week. Bye now.